Welcome to Odo Mentor, the podcast that provides mentorship for your otolaryngology career. This is episode three, choosing a fellowship in otolaryngology, the rhinology edition. My guest today is Dr. Daniel Beswick. Dan completed medical school at the University of Pittsburgh. He then moved west to complete otolaryngology residency at Stanford and stayed on the west coast for a rhinology fellowship at the Oregon Health and Science University. We were lucky enough to recruit Dan to become one of our rhinologists at the University of Colorado. Dan has an interest in outcomes research and has grant funding to study chronic rhinosinusitis in patients with cystic fibrosis. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks a lot for having me. So let's start with going way back before you decided to subspecialize. How did you choose otolaryngology as a career? I had some great experiences early in med school and great mentorship there. Uh, one of my mentors, Barry Shaken, brought me into the operating room when I was an early medical student second year, and I was exposed to procedures and things that I didn't really have much experience with, and that really opened my eyes to what it could be like to be a surgeon. Sounds great. And then how did you decide you wanted to be a rhinological surgeon? I pursued otolaryngology first um, after thinking about a few different surgical subspecialties. And then in about the middle of residency, I thought about third year, I thought about a few different subspecialties. And I liked rhinology a lot. I liked the procedures. Um, I had done some research in that with some mentors at Stanford and felt like there was an opportunity for me to continue on and research in that field. And it was a relatively young field. And so I thought that there was a chance that I could have an impact in that. And it seemed like a good fit for me. So how did you figure out, like, when is the timeline for applications? How did you figure out where you wanted to go and apply? Tell me about that process. So rhinology fellowship applications occur during fourth year of residency. I decided towards the middle part of my third year that I wanted to pursue rhinology, and then for the latter half of third year and first part of fourth year of residency, work towards that. I knew that I liked clinical research and I had started to develop an interest in outcomes research in residency. And I knew that within rhinology, that was something I wanted to pursue in the future. I also thought that I wanted to stay in academics largely to do some of that research. And so my fellowship search was directed towards programs that would enable those goals. Great. So uh, how competitive is rhinology? I mean, we know, we both know that otolaryngology itself is quite competitive? Is rhinology fellowship as competitive or not? Great question. Um, By the numbers, uh, last year there was about 35 fellowship spots, and there's some fluctuation from year to year, but uh, there seems to be a similar number or slightly more applicants than slots. I don't know the exact numbers, but that's the impression that I have. Uh, There is an expanding number of rhinology fellowships as well, uh, which has different implications. Why do you think they're expanding the numbers of slots? So rhinology fellowships are not technically accredited. Um, So uh, there's different criteria, but many different institutions or groups of faculty members or faculty members have fellowships. Some would argue that uh, there's more demand and so from the applicant side, and so we want to create spaces for them. There are other theories as well. Because you're saying that there's no board certification, correct? Correct. There is no specific board certification. Okay. So what do you think about your application really helped you succeed um, and and get a good spot? I had great mentorship, um, which started in in med school and certainly continued in residency with Dr. Wong and Dr. Nayak and Dr. Patel and others, but they were the rhinologists when I was at Stanford. And they really supported me and created opportunities for me to do research as a resident and were very helpful in guiding my fellowship application and 
helping me to get to where I am now. And I sort of have different mentors for different aspects of my life. I have some personal mentors and a variety of professional mentors who have all been great for me. Uh, Dr. Smith specifically during my fellowship year was very helpful and introduced me to his outcomes program and began to show me how I could conduct larger scale programs uh, in that realm. And he continues, uh, as do many other people, to be great mentors to me today. So I think the value of mentorship cannot be understated. Tell me a little bit more about your research, just because that seems to be a big part of your you know, drive to be an academician. And also, um, you seem to really thrive on doing some of that. I, I think research is fascinating to do. I like that it allows me to think about problems from a different perspective than seeing patients on an individual basis in clinic or operating. It's a different problem to solve to craft a big project or big series of projects or program and think about how you could produce new data or new results that could impact people or affect people from a broader perspective. And then in fellowship, I had the opportunity to really dig into the details of outcomes research working with Dr. Smith at OHSU and learned a lot about, or at least many aspects about how to work in a multi-institutional program and the efforts and details it takes to set up something like that. Since I've been able to work here at the University of Colorado and at National Jewish, I've started to explore the cystic fibrosis population and look into some opportunities to do research with those patients, specifically with regards to outcomes to their sinus disease. So when you went to fellowship, you know, most otolaryngology residents do a lot of sinus procedures. And so what do you think differentiates the level of training between a graduating chief otolaryngology resident and a graduating rhinology fellow? I think there are several differences. Um, We had tremendous training in rhinology at Stanford because we have so many excellent rhinologists there and we had really good exposure as residents. However, as a resident, you're really quite busy in a variety of realms that you don't always realize in residency, but there are always fires to put out or things to do. One difference in fellowship for me was that I had a bit more time to think about not only the procedures, but also rhinology from a research perspective. And that was really, from a professional perspective, what I did day in and day out. Procedurally, I think it's the number of repetitions that you do in fellowship. When you do several hundred of anything, you're going to get much better at it and much more efficient and much faster at it. And that was a a big difference focusing on rhinology in fellowship as opposed to rhinology and head and neck surgery and laryngology and the other fields during residency. And at what point did you decide uh, which job you were going to take? When did you start looking for jobs? How did you make those decisions? I would admit that the job search was uh, quite stressful at various points, to be completely open. Early in fellowship, and I had had some advice from prior fellows uh, at different institutions across the country, so very early in fellowship I began looking for positions and keeping my ears open and even emailing folks at different institutions whom I thought might have an opening. I had, well, I, I was interested in staying in academics for some of the research reasons and other reasons. I also have a partner, my fiance, was had her own locational preferences. And so we had some challenges with the availability of positions and blending our interests. And luckily, unfortunately, things worked out great. <laughs> so do you think that's, since there are more rhinology spots, uh, do you think that that is a tighter job market now? I mean, what was your impression of the rhinology job market in general? I think it changes year to year. In general, the trend seems to be there are a good number of highly skilled, highly motivated candidates who are coming out of fellowship seeking a relatively smaller number of positions. 
And I think that's honestly something that folks considering this field should think about. There's some research coming out of uh, UCLA that one of our, our actually uh, colleagues here, Dr. Ramakrishnan, contributed on. And it does highlight the fact that there is an increasing number of rhinology fellowships and that there is a, a clustering of rhinologists in larger cities and specific areas across the country. And I think it can be challenging given that everybody has locational and other preferences if they want to work in academics or private practice, for example, and there's, there can be a, a high number of qualified applicants. So let's say somebody wanted to do a rhinology fellowship but wanted to stay in general practice uh, and not be in academics. I know that's not your path, but what do you think the advantages would be for that person since, you know, clearly your advantage is you get to do research, um, you get tertiary care referrals, uh, but what about somebody in the community who is rhinology trained? I think that's a very, I think that's a great path for some people. Um, There are many, I mean, the fellowship I did was tailored towards academics, and I knew I was interested in research, but there are some that are not, and many people do those fellowships and have a great, fulfilling, productive career uh, in private practice. I don't know specifically the breakdown of the patients they see, but I suspect it's weighted towards rhinology with a fair amount of other otolaryngological areas as well. So if you had to do it again, would you pick rhinology again? I would definitely do it again. I had a great year in Oregon. I feel like that really set me up for success. And I feel very fortunate to have the position I have now. So even though there was some anxiety towards the first portion of fellowship year when I was figuring all that out, uh, things worked out great for me. And I would definitely do it again. And tell me about that fellowship year, because we didn't really talk about that as much. What was your favorite part of that year? And and how was it different than your residency for, for residents who are considering this as a specialty? I think the main difference was being able to focus on rhinology the whole time and having a bit more ability to focus on that than as a, or significantly more ability to focus on that than as a resident, just because your job and fellowship is to be a fellow and learn that subspecialty. And it's not to, it's not always to be the person on the floor taking care of all the urgencies or issues. So there's a lot more time to think and there's a lot more time to focus. And that helps with sort of processing how to do procedures and cases, but also about the research that you want to do or you hope to do in the future and sort of some of your broader life goals as well. So I thought it was a great time in terms of learning and reflection as well. So what would your advice be to someone who is going on rhinology fellowship interviews? What do you look for to know if the program is a good fit for you? In terms of when the applicant is assessing the program? Yes. I guess I would, you know, similar to residency or other fields, I'd want to know about the cases that they're doing. I'd want to know about the research opportunities. Um, For me personally, that might not be as important to everyone. I'd want to know, I think, perhaps most importantly, if that program would help me achieve what I wanted to do afterwards uh, in a professional sense in terms of where I could, where it could help me get a job or a position. And one metric to do that is to see where previous fellows have gone or what previous fellows have done. Uh, But I think that's very important and is largely the reason a lot of people pursue fellowship. So you're engaged and no children yet. Um, If you are lucky enough to have a a child come into your life and they come to you when they're in their 20s and they say, Dad, I really want to do otolaryngology or Dad, I really want to be a rhinologist. What would you tell them? Wow. I think uh, I would be first off, I think I would be really excited if they want to do that. Like there's something cool if your child wants to do what you do. So I'd probably be pretty excited. 
this is not rhinology specific, but my personal view is a lot of people who decide to go to medical school don't really know what all the training is going to be like. Like I certainly didn't realize when I signed up to go, not necessarily the intensity of it, but the duration or the prolonged intensity of it. I don't think I fully processed that when I was 22 or 23. So I would want them to heavily consider that. If they want to do it, I'd support them. I think otolaryngology is a great field. I think rhinology is a great field. Yeah, I'd be in full support. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks a lot for having me. If you like what you just heard or didn't, please go to my show notes page to let me know your thoughts. There you will find a link to a brief survey so I can improve the quality of this podcast. I would greatly appreciate your help. Mm-hmm.